This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. 60 consumer and civil rights groups say the big tech companies aren't doing nearly enough to deal with election misinformation. The Change the Terms Coalition is putting the pressure on Meta, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok to do more. Members of the group say failing to act could lead to a loss of faith in the nation's electoral system or even the type of political violence that we saw during the January 6th insurrection. It's not to say that these companies haven't taken any steps to fight misinformation and disinformation, but are they doing enough? Naomi Nix is a staff writer focusing on social media for The Washington Post. Welcome back to Reset. Thank you for having me. What does the analysis put together by this coalition say about how prepared tech companies are to take on accurate information ahead of this election? Well, I think the main sort of argument that these civil rights groups are making is that, you know, actually, even after um, January 6th, even after, you know, former President Donald Trump's repeated um, misleading posts about election integrity issues, about the legitimacy of mail-in ballots, and about ultimately the results of the last presidential election, the tech companies haven't really done much to change their policies or practices to police those same kinds of um, lies in this current election, even at a time when Republicans, um, you know, some of them are continuing um, to bang the drum about alleged voter fraud. Mm-hmm. Well, before we dig more into some of that, I want to go back a bit. Tell us more about that Change the Terms Coalition. Who's behind this? Sure. Um, so it's a group of about 60 or so civil rights and civil society um, groups who, you know, focus on, on matters of, of public policy. Um, a lot of their efforts um, this cycle have been, uh, you know, organized by one of the leading uh, members, Free Press, which is a sort of a tech and media advocacy group. And they, they essentially started this campaign back in April. You know, they said, look, um, we want to make sure we're tracking what the platforms are doing. And so they started by releasing, um, you know, a lot of, um, uh, recommendations about how the platforms could de-emphasize that kind of problematic content. Mm-hmm. Then they wrote letters and they had individual meetings with all those platforms. And so this was really a months long process to monitor how the platforms were responding. What are some strategies that the coalition asked about? So, I mean, part of it, you know, I think it was a mixture of sort of policy and um, tech. Um, they, you know, one of the, the main principles they've argued is they want um, the platforms to publicly commit to um, maintaining uh, their plans to address election integrity issues, you know, for a considerable amount of time after the election has taken place, you know, because one of the things that happened, you know, last cycle is a lot of the problematic stuff, the steel content ended up, you know, uh, spiking in the months after the election. Right. And in particular, Facebook had walked back some of their measures to protect the election in that time, you know, which critics said opened the door for that kind of content. So that was like one of the issues that they wanted platforms to address. Um, another was just like, you know, tackling through your algorithm and through human moderation, cur- you know, figure out a way to curb the spread of the big lie. Um, because that, does continue to erode Americans' confidence in the electoral process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
you know, flat out just when it comes to the results of the last presidential election is, is just not true. And so, um, you know, that was another thing that they they brought up. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. How widespread, Naomi, was disinformation and, and misinformation in that 2020 election? I mean, it was, you know, it started with sort of Trump um, really laying the groundwork. Right. Like we saw even before votes you know, were largely cast that he was kind of laying the groundwork for questioning um, legitimate forms of voting like mail-in ballots, right? Like insinuating that that could lead to fraud or that there is going to be fraud in this election. And, you know, at the time, privately, civil rights groups had urged, you know, Mark Zuckerberg directly in conversations um, to take action against those kinds of posts. Um, and then, you know, we saw sort of allegations of voter fraud through shaky evidence with photos that were like misrepresented. We saw harassment against election workers yeah. who were, um, alleged to have been involved in the voter, um, you know, voter fraud scheme. And then, you know, ultimately that kind of laid the groundwork for, for stop the steal. As in a lot of that content, a lot of the evidence, supposed evidence um, that convinced people that this was happening, you know, was on social media. And then later, the organization of some of, um, you know, the rioting at the capitals happened on social media. And so the platforms are concerned that this, you know, is something that could happen again. And refresh our memory of the difference, Naomi, between the two, disinformation and misinformation. Sure. So disinformation is, it's really about a, a difference in a t- intention. Disinformation is purposely trying to, um, misinform the public about, uh, you know, whatever issue that's happening. Misinformation might be less intentional. Um, you know, it could be, oh, my, my wife's birthday is July 9th instead of when you meant to say July 7th, right? Like there, there is a, a sort of degree in intention there. Um, and I think the broader point is that the platforms struggle to police both kinds of, um, both kinds of content, accidental falsehoods and also, um, you know, coordinated campaigns. It was just this week that, you know, myself and some other colleagues reported that there were, you know, nearly 2000 um, China-based accounts mm-hmm. that were trying to influence the American public, uh, in, wow. you know, ahead of the midterms. And, um, you know, some of them had gotten high engagement. And so that's an example of, of disinformation. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking to Naomi Nix, who's a staff writer focusing on social media for The Washington Post. We're discussing why consumer and civil rights groups are saying Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube have not been doing enough to root out misinformation this election cycle. So going back to this report from the Change the Terms Coalition, Naomi, how are tech companies responding? They, you know, look, they have said we have a lot of policies and practices um, in place to protect the election. You know, broadly speaking, tech platforms, um, you know, they, they kind of have two different buckets. They try to promote accurate information about the election. So they'll often have like voter information centers on their website that can tell people this is how you vote and who you're voting for and when and how to get registered. Mm -hmm. Um, Last cycle, Facebook spent a lot of energy touting their efforts to 
um, encourage millions of Americans to register to vote. Um, and then they also, through a combination of human moderation and also ag- algorithmic moderation, try to um, tackle particular kinds of lies about the election. Um, and so the platforms, uh, broadly speaking, are more um, interested or rather historically have been more willing to police lies about the logistics of voting. So if there's a post that says, you know, vote on Wednesday, not on Tuesday, or your traditional forms of voter suppression, like Republicans, you know, vote at this poll location, while Democrats vote on, on, you know, at that poll location, those kinds of lies, you know, the platforms are more um, willing to tackle. When it comes to the big lie, that's where you see some of those differences. Have they talked about maybe a plan of attack for future elections? Well, you know, I think, look, they have their policies. They haven't much changed since the 2020 presidential elections. So we're not sure if if 2024 will be different. I mean, I think the big question is, does uh, President Donald Trump get let back on the platforms um, ahead of the 2024 Mm -hmm. election? Um, and whether he's continued to allow to to repeat some of the, well, that rhetoric. Twitter's Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, has said that uh, he will reverse the platform's ban on the former president's account. He has, and we're still waiting to see what Facebook and and YouTube do on that. Um, but broadly speaking, I think there's a broader question facing the platforms, which is. What about the other kinds of Trumps, right? We yeah. now have hundreds of, of GOP candidates that, you know, um, that claim that the, the 2020 election was stolen, right? And then we have, like, a lot of um, influencers, right-wing influencers who are continuing, um, you know, to spread that kind of rhetoric. And, in fact, what some of my colleagues have reported is after, you know, that that a lot of um, those influencers gained big tractions, you know, following Trump's um, rhetoric and, you know, have gotten even more popular, you know, since then. And so how the platforms choose to handle those sorts of accounts and that kind of rhetoric, mm-hmm. you know, continues to be a major question. Yeah. Musk is cleaning house at Twitter. He said that he wants to turn it into a free speech forum with fewer rules for what can and can't be said. So I'm just imagining, Naomi, that that would have this coalition concerned, right? Because it's basically suggesting that Twitter would no longer make as strong an effort to tamp down any falsehoods. Yes. And in fact, there was a meeting yesterday that Elon had with many of the civil rights groups um, about this very issue. And so they didn't, the conversation didn't uh, get too much further uh, than, you know, past this election, you know, but what, Elon did say is he's not going to re-platform anybody before the, you know, not for another few weeks. So that would include that Trump is, is, is probably not going to get his Twitter account back before the election. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pledged to sort of form this content moderation council that would include diverse perspectives um, to advise the company on policy matters. And so, you know, he said that will take some time as well. And then he pledged to maintain Twitter's election integrity uh, mm. policies before the election. Interesting. Um, but, you know, there's some reporting to suggest that some employees have um, fewer resources to do that right now under Musk's leadership. So, yeah, time will tell.
We'll have to leave it there. Naomi Nix is a staff writer focusing on social media for The Washington Post. Thank you so much for the update. Thanks.